Good morning, wonderful people. Welcome to my channel. This is Rahu and Ketu study part 16. I hope I get the number right now. I'm losing count. Never mind. A personal note before we get to this next one. Analyzing this next axis of Rahu and Ketu. One of the things that you need to understand in this new shifting energies of the earth. What is happening right now and what will continue to happen is one word, integrity. Integrity in all things. Integrity, one human to another, one country to another, one state to another, one institution to another. Everywhere where we humans interact, all over the earth, there's going to be a play of strong calling for integrity. In what do I mean by integrity in this context? What we speak versus what action we take. In the old energy, understand this only from an energetic concept, in the old energy people would have hidden agendas, institutions would have hidden agendas, companies would have hidden agendas and it worked like that for quite some time including now you can see that happening everywhere right. But in this shifting energies, when energy moves from northern hemisphere to south, it's about integrity. The feminine energy knows integrity more than the masculine energy. Remember this, this is the principle, this is the feminine principle. So the women of the earth are being more internally empowered to bring this non-integrity to the forefront and splash it in front of everyone. Social media, this and that, they will keep on telling all the non-integrity issues, the Me Too movement, this is all about shift. What's going on in Persia right now? that again right all women's empowerment is coming back why the feminine energy is rising and it will want integrity from everyone from all leadership from all corporate governance every single one so what you speak and what actually you're doing you may go to all your buildings of worship but what you do when you come out you know the same people who go into all these buildings of worship they come out and they play all nonsense that has to stop it will you have seen it come out and it will do so more and more and more because it wants to build integrity. Earth wants integrity now. Okay. So back to study. Uttra Falguni. This is Rahu in Uttra Falguni, most of which is in Virgo, going from Leo to Virgo. So what are the themes of Uttra Falguni? What does Rahu, the unconventional maverick, want with Uttra Falguni? Let's see the themes first. Success through partnerships and marriage. Purva Falguni was all about falling in love, getting partnerships, right? It's about that part of Leo. Uttra Falguni is trying to maintain that, maintain the marriage, maintain the harmony, maintain relationships is main theme of Uttra Falguni. So they do very well through partnerships and marriage. It's about conscience. They are highly focused on enduring relationships they want to keep relationships and remember this is Virgo this is the earth sign this is the sign of the virgin so it wants to have maintain balance and peace at all costs they are all about charity they are all about adventurousness negotiation friendly happy righteous kindness favor so it's a very good nakshatra okay initially they might have struggles in life but they create success later in life Late success of life is another one of the themes. And because it's in Virgo, you can see in the Padas also later, or you can see the Nakshatras, Uttra Falguni has got three Padas in Virgo. So it's very grounded. So it's all about commitment, contracts, deals with intelligence and dedication. These people may do very well in organizations. 
wherever it requires contracts, legal stuff, um, corporate governance, that kind of thing, you know, leadership, because Leo is also here and Virgo is also here. They are very, very keen enforcers of legal stuff, law, accounting, corporate governance, that kind of a thing. So when Rahu comes here, he wants to do the same things, but in an unconventional way. We'll see that with Padas, okay? So let's get right into it. So number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, What is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon formed by the virtual points which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the earth and orbit of the earth around the sun. So basically if you take two eclipses, ellipses, it will form two intersection points. Yeah, So these Two intersection points are called the North Node and the South Node. They are virtual nodes, although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute. So who is Rahu? The symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe. right? This is typically how it is portrayed in Western astrology. So I am using the same symbol here. Rahu is mythologically depicted as the severe head of a demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable hunger and appetite, be it sensual or physical, yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it. Rahu is the one who constantly wants something. Think of it as a live head only, not the body. Okay, So it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing, since it has no arms or body or stomach, right? just a head which is alive. This gives Rahu the title of Bhogakaraka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits. So think any earth sign for example, they want sensory materialistic pursuits. Or think any of the signs literally, whatever they are after, Rahu wants that and wants that very badly and goes after it with everything. This is an energy in us by the way, it is not a planet, it's a virtual node, but it will behave like a planet which we shall see why. So it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything even though it gets something. It wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next. This is why Varahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things, not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in. Why? Because of that insatiable hunger. There is always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it. That's Rahu. Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severe body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head, but it doesn't have a head. So it is looking for that identity. Everybody's identity, ego is centered in the head, what you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self. As a result of this, it tries to hold and grab on to everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands. Ketu has got hands. It's trying to hold on to everything but it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head. It's like trying to grasp on to everything thinking, oh I want this or I am this, I am that, I am this. Not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there. Since it has arms and walks everywhere, it goes around through life, walking from place to place, people, situations, circumstances, but not knowing who or what it is. It doesn't have a head. This is why Ketu is referred to as 
mokshakaraka or the seeker's path, the one energy in us which seeks something. That's why Ketu is called the mokshakaraka. Now this is the classical interpretation. Okay. Now we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation. Very important to connect the bridges. Now here you have the Rahu Ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation. This I have borrowed from the book Light on Life by Robert Suvada. Excellent book. I have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it. I seriously suggest that. Okay. The North Node of the Moon, Rahu. What does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts? What does Rahu lead to in the modern context? Rahu is responsible for originality, individuality, independence, insight, ingenuity, inspiration and imagination on the positive side. Because Rahu and Ketu both love to explore foreign stuff, things out of the box, things not taught by tradition, Rahu and Ketu will be anything but traditional. Okay? Think of it as something foreign to the culture, to the way you are taught things. Looking for original stuff. If there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that we keep modernizing, so to speak, thinking out of the box, it is this. That's why it's important to pay attention to this. Okay, back to this. So Rahu on the downside becomes leads to confusion, escapism, neurosis, psychosis, deception, addiction, vagueness, illusion and delusion. This is the downside. Now how this plays out and why we will have to see individually in the charts. We shall see that. Okay, Ketu. Ketu, the guy with only the body, no head there, is gives us the feeling of universality, impressionability, idealism, intuition, compassion, spirituality, self-sacrifice, subtleness on the positive side. On the downside, it can lead to eccentricity, fanaticism, explosiveness, violence, unconventionality, amorality, iconoclasm, impulsiveness and emotional tensions. This is on the downside. This is what it plays out and Rahu Ketu is typically an axis like it is shown over there, right? Rahu Ketu, let me remove myself for the time being from that axis, okay? There you are. So you see it as an axis, okay? 180 degrees apart and it can play out in any one of the opposite houses. It can play out in 1, 7, 2, 8, 3, 9, 4, 10, etc, etc. We will see that later. But this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life, in your different houses, are you looking for these two aspects and they are always opposite to each other as you can see. Okay, to stand opposite to each other. So if it plays out in second house, it detaches itself from the eighth house. If Rahu is in second house, it Ketu will be in the eighth house. You see what I mean? And so you will bring the eighth house aspect with these aspects shown here, second house with that aspect shown over there. Of course, it plays out with something called as dispositors. We shall see that next. Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. It has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition. And what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? 
the solar or the dispositor means since rahu and ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own remember it's a virtual node it is not a planet they both do not have any planetary characteristic individually so they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that lord sits in suppose mercury is in the third house okay and rahu sits in the house of mercury somewhere else so it will borrow the attributes of mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever rahu is sitting in got it nakshatras since rahu and ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own individually they take on the shade of personality nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality it's coloring of a personality it's seeing the world through different colored glasses that they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities so rahu and ketu do two things at the same time at the solar level it goes with the dispositor that is all of the planets physical planets mercury mars venus sun moon so on so they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting if it sits in rahu sits in cancer it will you have to look for where moon is sitting which house and what it is doing there and even the moon nakshatra if it is sitting in leo rahu in leo that means it you have to look for where sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house so it will bring those attributes that's the way you have to analyze this okay let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why now there are some vital aspects that you keep, need to keep in mind when evaluating rahu and ketu because this is important for, especially for people who are sort of looking for self development to understand where they are coming from if you're not interested in changing yourself this entire channel is useless for you but if the other one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life where do i need to go what are my talents and you question these kinds of things excuse the noise somebody is drilling about so then you need to understand these aspects now that's the typical chart indian chart and house numbers are depicted as 1 2 3 4 up till 12 dharma artha kama moksha is there and i have stuck rahu ketu as possible axis on the 1 7 that is aries and libra that is the top and the bottom so either it can go to house number 1 or 7 rahu ketu can be reversed it's okay it doesn't matter or in 4 and 10 now 1 4 7 and 10 in vedic astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are that define how you operate in life throughout life so these become crucial why the 1 7 axis affects if rahu and ketu fall on there has a direct effect on your self and other concept one and seven is self and other how you re- relate to yourself and how you relate look at the world around you as others including the spouse because seventh house is the house of the spouse but also others so how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others so it defines who you are in a very broad sense one seven axis of rahu ketu the full 10 on the other hand fourth house being the house of the mother 10th being father fourth being home 10th being career you see this has a you know all kinds of implications which define who you are the 410 axis has effects on the heart versus mind mind wants is the one who goes out there in the world and 
being used in the career right you dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world heart is your home your home center where you feel comfortable home is where the heart is that kind of a thing so heart and home is affected by this rahu ketu axis again rahu and ketu might be reversed rahu might be in the fourth ketu might be in the 10th or vice versa same way with 1 and 7 but these are the vital relating aspects of rahu and ketu now what about the rest of the houses now rest of the houses are called trikona or kona in sanskrit right these are the things that come and go in your life they let be second house third house fifth house sixth eighth ninth eleventh and twelfth these are the things that come and go in our life through life through your entire life these are things that are added into subtracted from us but this is not us 147 and 10 is us everything else is secondary which revolves around you as life comes and goes all other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life that's all it is they are less significant in terms of rahu and ketu when compared to 1 7 4 and 10 axis of rahu and ketu please remember this when you evaluating you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others rahu is attachment ketu is detachment rahu is expansion ketu is reduction and they stand opposite to each other all this right now let's take the cases one by one right so there we are in the fourth pada of uttrafalguni what does that do that's this axis yellow mark over here which i'm pointing to so we are going from artha to moksha which falls between in virgo rahu is falling here in this particular axis in the moksha axis which goes from virgo to pisces in the vamsha so we are going from uttrafalguni rahu in uttrafalguni to ketu in the artha pada of uttrabhadrapada Uttrabhadrapada nakshatra's theme is of searching for emotional meaning right so this wants to search for emotional meaning now it's in arthapada going from pisces to virgo it's going from jupiter to mercury and here it's coming from mercury to jupiter this is again the reversal what is this virgo pisces axis virgo is the 6th house pisces is the 12th house one is working towards a goal one is getting renunciated from the goal going into material world and going away from the material world 6th house and 12th house think in terms of kalpurusha lagna always so 6th house is the house of daily work you are getting into the world and 12th house is getting away from the world spirituality renunciation losses 6th house is wants to gain something 12th house sits and loses everything so when rahu ketu fall in this this kind of axis will lead to a switch in personality later in life first half of life they will be more like virgo and pisces next half they will be more like pisces and virgo so when rahu switches from virgo to pisces the disposition changes right mercury to jupiter so later on in life they might want to do all wise things right in first beginning they are just learning earthly stuff but then they go into wisdom receding from working on the earth plane towards wisdom later in life that's the best way i can put it yeah and ketu on the other hand becomes in navamsha goes into virgo so what later in life they will want to need to bring this wisdom is intellectual knowledge also remember intellection wisdom both are needed it's not one thing to the exclusion of other ever it's never 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 like that 
okay all things are needed in this plane only application of it differs now let's get into the third pada now in the third pada we are still in uttra falguni uttra bhadra pada axis rahu in uttra falguni ketu in uttra bhadra pada but we have slightly shifted the axis i'll point out the mouse so you can see now it has moved up so now we are talking about virgo to aquarius rahu and pisces to leo so basically it is leo aquarius leo aquarius is me doing for myself and aquarius is me doing for the sake of others that's the opposition both can become leaders but one can become very narcissistic self centered leo can become can become a good leader also of course of course Aquarius, on the other hand, wants to do everything for the masses. Selfless doing for the masses. That's why Saturn is exalted in Aquarius, and Sun is in Leo. Sun is all about look at me. Who am I? Aquarius is also forget about you. Let's go and do some things for the people, right? That's the axis we are talking about. So we need to see Saturn where it is placed in the Navamsha, because it goes into Aquarius. How well it's doing, and Rahu wants to bring that kind of material forth. right rahu will do well with saturn because rahu wants to achieve stuff in the material world and saturn encourages that saturn encourages work systematic disciplined work though and on the other side pisces ketu it goes detached and into leo if ketu sun ketu combination is a very weird one very powerful one it can be depending upon how sun is placed in navamsha but it's it's about bringing ancestral energy when ketu combines with sun its ancestors our forefathers our lineage in the physical world because both of these are manushya gana nakshatras means they would want to do things physically in the world it is not about running away to some forest and meditating no this is doing stuff in the physical uttra falguni and uttra bhadra pada are manushya ganas let's get into second pada Now we come to the second pada. Rahu in the second or third pada. No, this is the last pada. No, second pada. Sorry, yes. Rahu in the second pada of Uttarfalguni meets Purva Bhadra pada. The last Pisces portion of Purva Bhadra pada. Afterwards, it goes into Aquarius. So this can be a little tricky, right? Because Purva Bhadra pada is about resolving and transformation through grief. learning through past mistakes of life bringing in stuff from the external past life external manifestations which were very very difficult in nature okay resolving life through difficulty that's purva bhadrapada in pisces it takes the signature of a water sign emotional resolution so from pisces going to cancer let me point this out pisces going into cancer in moksha it goes to capricorn and virgo so this is the capricorn cancer axis between two manushya ganas what is this person trying to achieve what does this rahu want to achieve it's in capricorn so it will do well with saturn in navamsha it will want to have fame popularity and gains it want to work hard systematically over amplification of that means it will want to do it in unconventional shrewd ways to achieve their ambition Remember, we talk about Uttara Falguni being contracts deals. You can see the shadow side of Rahu here. Shady contracts, shady deals can happen. And then here it goes into Cancer. So they and in Purva Bhadra Pada. Wow. So okay, this will want to bring Ketu. This Ketu sitting in Cancer in the Moksha Pada of Purva Bhadra Pada will want to bring in 
that which is learned as emotional lessons learned and difficulties from the past life into this life that's the best way i can put it okay because ketu is about past lives whatever you have already done learned and dusted finished khalas now it wants to come towards capricorn so you need to use the emotional lessons learned from this cancer guy and bring it up push it up to achieve your material success why so that you don't repeat the same mistakes over and over again whatever you have done in the past life simple now let's go to the last one the first pada now it gets interesting in the first pada because now we have gone from leo aquarius we have gone into leo and aquarius <coughs> in the zodiac sign we have moved away from pisces virgo axis okay even the next one shatabhisha is also come in that puro falguni shatabhisha okay so now we are going to leo aquarius so we are talking about the self were wanting popularity and fame for self versus wanting popularity or fame by the way of doing for others this is the dominant feature of leo and aquarius and they will bring in all their creativity fifth house leo and 11th house of gains masses popularity into this play okay now let's see the axis the axis is over here i marked that i'm pointing it out so it goes from leo to sagittarius and it goes from pisces to cancer so we are playing out sorry aquarius to gemini so it's gemini sagittarius so it's the guru shishya it is the teacher and the student dynamic what does this rahu want to do unconventionally uttar falguni is about contracts deals negotiation commitment and sagittarius going from leo to sagittarius it is extremely passionate and fiery about doing this sagittarius is dharma the highest of dharma houses ninth house so it wants to achieve that this will want to do good in the world but rahu if you come and stick him up here he is a guy who is only having a head without a body so he will want to do everything unconventionally there he might become over obsessive about the idealistic part this person can become very idealistic later in life because it is leo going into sagittarius on the other side what they need to ground it and bring it proper is going from aquarius to gemini so they need to use intellectual knowledge not just say dharma this dharma that okay use your head a little bit everything is not about dharma here use your head and try to bring it in a proper way in a way that is practical in a way that you want to convey the right kind of philosophical knowledge sagittarius right higher learning wisdom but you need your mind to do that train your mind first go get a good education go get a college degree study some things study this kind of stuff and then bring it out something then you'll produce something valuable in this world not some nonsensical drama queens that are floating around not like that okay let's be a little practical here we need to do some good things while we are here yes we have all limited time on this planet okay take care be safe tomorrow or whenever we will do purva falguni very interesting one